Welcome to the Highway Church Podcast. We're excited for you to join us today. To find out more about us, visit highway.com.au. Are you doing well tonight? Just a reminder, I'm a youth pastor, so I love interaction. In fact, I'm very used to people even talking during my messages. So if you yell out, it's not going to affect me at all. It'll just make me feel more at home. Is that cool? So if you agree with anything, God's speaking to you about anything, feel free to go. My mum will give you a run for your money. I can promise you that. (laughs) All day. (laughs) Everybody say clickbait. Clickbait. Last time I preached, it was a little while ago now, I've talked about Paul and uh, Ephesians, where we find ourselves as a church, a Waco sleeper. Um, God's called us to occupy the future, which means the church needs to awaken to the destiny and the, and, the, and the glory and the giftings and the talents that He has placed inside of us. And I was preaching last time about the fact that Paul found himself in prison, and he wrote and produced the book of Ephesians from a prison cell, and that the prison cell should have consumed him and should have confined him and should have stopped his productivity, but it increased it all the more. And I found myself asking this question, what causes a man of God or a woman of God to find themselves in a place where they seem confined and restrained and yet they produce their best work? That's the way how we work as believers. It doesn't matter what situation or circumstances we come in with or where we find ourselves in life. Paul found himself in a prison and he produced what some say is his best work, the book of Ephesians. We have no excuses when we have Christ. I know that is easy to say and hard to live by, but it is the reality of which we live. We have no excuses when we have God because He found Himself in a grave and yet He rose again, produced His best work from beyond the grave. And we have the ability as His church to do the same. But so often we're distracted by messages So often we're distracted by different ulterior motives, the enemy, situations, circumstance, the people in our world, and it takes away from what God is wanting His church to do. You see, sometimes I believe there's a big battle of the mind where we find ourselves, young people, older people, you look at the mental health issues of today, and they're rampant, which tells us as a society, particularly in Australia, where we are blessed, where we are, where, where we are so blessed just to be a part of this amazing nation, yet we have some of the highest mental health statistics in the world. Why does that happen? Because we listen to the wrong voices, and we approach the wrong messages, and we consume the wrong thing. And so tonight I want to talk from a, a, about a story found in the Bible, and it's found in Numbers 13, 26 to 33. You can turn there now if you need to. Um, but I just think it's time for the church to take back some of the messages that God wants to give us. I think it's time for the church to attune its ear to the voice of God so that when He speaks, we can act so that our minds won't be corrupted and contained from where we find ourselves or the situations that surround us, but we would be maintained in the glorious riches that God has for us and we would maintain a relationship, we would maintain our perspective, we would maintain our vision even in the hard times. Like Paul found himself in a prison cell and he found himself producing his best work. That's not an incidental thing. That's, that's practiced over and over and over. Every time he was whipped, every time he was beaten, every time he was stoned, he got up and he, and he got going. He kept on doing the thing that he needed to do in order for Christ to move through him. And I think that's a great representation of what the church should be like today that we aren't consumed by our circumstances. We don't fight for victory in this life. We're not fighting for victory. 
we, it's already been accomplished. We fight from victory as the church of Christ, that we stand on the victory that He did on the cross and we say, I'm not fighting for it, I'm, I'm standing on it. I'm not working for God, I'm working with God. When you work for somebody, when you work with God, or for, sorry, for God, you'll feel as if you are being overworked because you will try to do it in your own strength. But when you come alongside Him, when you, when you tune his, your ear to His voice and when you decide to act uh, and move and go where He tells you, working with Him, then we will move into everything that He has. You see, Moses is leading the Israelite people. And we've heard a lot of stories around the Red Sea, Pharaoh. I'm sure there were some in Sunday school for us all. Um, but one of the stories that we know too well is the, the spies who get sent in to the promised land. And they were sent into this land that was only promised because God said so. Did you realize that? That that land was only the, really the promised land because God told them that it was act, indeed the promised land. There, were other land. there were other places of land and development they could have placed into, but they needed to occupy that land because that was the promise of God. It had been identified to them. See, what God calls, it, it is. So if God says, this is your promise, then let's go for that. Let's not go, this looks a little bit easier, so we might stay here. No, I've been promised this, and I'm gonna look over the problem that I see in front of me. We have to be a church that sees past the, the, the things that would try to distract and into the promise of God because the thing that he calls promised is our inheritance. The thing that he calls ours is ours to occupy. It's not for somebody else, it's for us as his church. So Moses, he, he, he leads the people out of Egypt. They're having a great old time. The Red Sea splits in half. And remember, they walk on through. Could you imagine how crazy and how much faith you would have to have to walk through two walls of water? I think we forget that. Millions of liters of water and you have to step your way through. And it was a long hike. It wasn't, it wasn't just like five minutes. It took faith just to get through the Red Sea. The Israelites needed faith just to walk through, walls of water either side. And sometimes we don't give them credit for the faith that they showed. But these were faith-filled people. I don't know about you, but walking alongside an ocean that's been split in half for prolonged hours doesn't sound real great to me. But for the Israelites, they need to do it in order to escape. They saw plagues to get them freed. They, they, they saw manna fall from heaven. And then after all this, they find themselves with the promised land so close. This thing that God had promised them, so close, they could almost reach it. And they send out some spies. They send out some people to go and spy out the land. If you know the story, 10 people bring back a bad report, two people bring back a good report. And um, their reactions to what they see causes their, their wilderness experience. And I want to highlight them tonight. But Numbers 13, 26 to 33. This is what it says, and it's a little bit of a chunk of Scripture, but I will never apologize for reading Scripture in church because we are the church, and it is the Word of God. It is like a double-edged sword, and it divides everything that we need, and it causes us to rise. And I believe this, even this story can speak to us tonight. So just keep your ear out for what God wants to talk to you about as I read. They came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. As they um, they, there they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. So they've been shown the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. 
exclamation mark. It does flow with milk and honey. Here is its fruit. Here is the evidence of what God said would be in the promised land. But the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites live in the Negev and the Hittites, Jezebites, Amorites live in the hill country and the Canaanites live near the sea and along the Jordan. We're just missing the Promites and the Vegemites there. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go and take possession of the land for we can certainly do it. There's always one in every group. But the men who had gone up and with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of, uh, of great size. We saw the Nephilim there, the descendants of Anak. We seemed like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we looked the same to them. See, their words are, but the men who had gone up with Caleb, they had gone up with Caleb and yet they came back with a different report. Caleb came back with a faith-filled report, but the other 10 came back with a faithless report. They had seen the, the, the milk and honey and the, and the fruit and the things that God had intended for them to see, the physical evidence, and yet they still doubted. Who has a Facebook account here? Raise your hand. You can be honest about, okay, a good majority of the room. So you'll know what I'm saying, but for those who don't know, Facebook is, is a little bit hard to explain, but it's like a news feed. It's like an electronic news feed, and I'm sure you'll jump onto it. But there's this thing called clickbait. Everyone knows? Put your hand up if you're familiar with clickbait. Fantastic. Okay, let me explain it for you. Clickbait, as defined, is a form of false advertisement which uses text designed to attract attention and entice users to follow the link and read, view, or listen to the linked piece of online content with a defining characteristic, get ready, of being deceptive, typically sensationalized, or misleading. Pretty much, clickbait is fake news. And clickbait just happens to be massive all over um, Facebook, Instagram, even Google has clickbait everywhere now. You see, some of the headlines I've researched that attract attention for clickbait are the following. Are you ready for them? Here's a couple. Man tries to hug wild lion. You won't believe what happens next. 21 stars who ruin their face due to plastic surgery. Can you solve this ancient riddle? 99% of people gave the wrong answer. You might just be the one who could. Only people with an IQ above 160 can solve these questions. Are you one of them? Click to find out. You won't believe how many friends have been visiting your profile. If this has been happening to you and you've been getting tagged in these random people visiting your profile thing, how annoying is that? Click to find out. Don't do it. Giveaway. Ray-Bans are giving away 100 pair of free sunglasses. Just share the photo. Can you believe this celebrity died? I mean, you think people, celebrities are dying every day. They just throw a picture. It's all fake. They just, they just put it out there. Fake news. This celebrity's dead. You're smarter than 99% of the population because you can, you know, one times zero. Not anybody knows that. They throw out all these headlines that grab people's attention. They make them click on the link. And because they've clicked on the link, they give them access to the information and they, they, they start to know more and more about the user than the user knows about themselves. You see, the information we respond to 
is very important as Christians because the enemy will place things in our path that are designed to distract us and designed to take away from what God wants to do. See, God wants to give us the good news, but the enemy is, wants to give us the bad news. God wants to, us to be faith-filled. The enemy wants us to be faithless. And so he will plant things, just like in, on Facebook, when we see those things coming up that annoy us. Can we all agree? When people click on them, because the thing about it, when you click on a false, I guess, uh, fraud, fraudulent uh, fake news story, it can spread throughout your friends list. So you share that thing, then your friends click on it, and then it tags other people who have no idea what they've been tagged in, much like I find myself a lot of the time. And, and you find yourself down the line being spread and your newsfeed being filled with all of this false information. The same happens with life. If we listen as a church to the wrong reports, to the wrong information, to the wrong messages, our life will affect those around us and we will only give off something that is not Christ-like. We will only give off the misleading inf information. We will only give off the fake news. We will only give off the, 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 the things, the clickbait that the enemy wants us to be consumed with. You see, if you click on it once, it's prevalent then because they know that you will respond to it and it becomes more and more and more prevalent on your newsfeed. If you do it once, if we listen to it once, it may just be that one time we listen to that negative report. It may just be that one time that we listen to that thing that, you know, we shouldn't, that person. Then it will become more prevalent in our life and we'll get attuned to listening to the world's voice rather than listening to God's. You see, it affects us, church. As the church, we must be conscious of what we are listening to who we are listening to, what we are reading, why we're reading it. There's a couple things you ask when you come to, a I guess, a news story that they taught me in journalism. You always ask, who was the author? Who wrote this? Are they credible? Do, 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 do you correspond with their work? If, no, if there's no source of, if there's no valuable source in there, there's a good chance the information's incorrect and you, it's just fake news. We should ask, is this God? Does God say this about me? Does God's word say that I'm an overcomer? Or do I listen to the messages that say, you're not an overcomer, you'll never do anything right, you're down and out, you're gone, you're completely useless? Do we listen to those messages or do we question the author? Because if it's God, it'll leave you inspired. If it's God, it'll leave you challenged, but it'll leave you with an answer. If it's God, it'll leave you sharper than before. If it's God, it will lead you to the answer. We have to be conscious that we're not listening to the propaganda that the enemy has for us to consume. That we're not listening. Who wrote it? Why was it written? Was it written to improve me? What, was, it, was it created, that message, that thought, that, that insight? Was it, was it there to improve me or disapprove me or disappoint me or make me fearful? See, fear sells today. Fear is a massive agent that people are making a lot of money off today. Why? Because people respond to fearful messages. See, we don't have a fearful message. We have a message that's completely different to the world. We have a message that is, and Pastor B was talking about this morning, the good news, the bad news. We have the good news. And at the moment, church, 
You know what they tell you when I was studying? They said, if it bleeds, it leads. So any bad news will lead the headlines every single time. Because good news doesn't sell. I don't think that's correct with the Bible. I don't think that's correct about my Savior. In fact, I think, I think bad news is so prevalent, prevalent that people are over it, and they're looking for the good news in this world, and we're carrying that good news. We're carrying that good report. We are the agents of change. We are the people who can say, I'm reclaiming my mental status. I'm reclaiming my thought life. I'm reclaiming the messages that would try to hinder me and keep me where I am because they had a promised land ahead of them and yet only Caleb came back. They both saw the same thing. They saw the fruit. They saw the giants. They saw the fortified cities. But for Caleb, it was enough because he had his faith-filled eyes, not faithless eyes. He saw through the bad report and he saw God at work. See, every bad report we can receive is a good report that God can turn around. God can turn that thing around every single time. There's a few things that fake news is designed to do. The first one is it's designed to steal attention. It wants to grab your attention. Those headlines are designed to steal your attention so that you respond to it. And as you respond to it, they can put more and more and more onto your newsfeed, into your world. You see, it steals attention. Verse 27 says, they gave Moses this account. We went into the land which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. That's where the attention should be. That's where the attention should be. In that moment, they should have stopped and said, that's enough. This is the promised land. We went into the land. We saw the milk and honey. We saw the physical elements that God had said would be there. But instead they add, but the people who live there are powerful and the cities are fortified and very large. And then continuing on, what do they talk about? How big they are, how strong they are, how demise they would be if they try to go up against them. You see, attention, not intention, determines our success. You could have great intentions. We could have great intentions as the church, but it's our attention that will determine our success. All of the spies went in there, and I'm sure they were sick of being in that wilderness experience or that wandering experience, and they wanted to occupy the promised land. That was their intention of going in there. But their attention was drawn to the problem rather than the possibility. Their attention was drawn to the problem, the giants, the, the things that would come up, the headline, the thing that grabbed their attention, the clickbait that the enemy planted there. It was drawn to that moment, the problem rather than the possibility that God had. And you see, it kept them stuck. See, we will not fulfill supernatural destinies with natural distraction. We will not fulfill supernatural destinies with natural distractions. We give the natural distractions to God and we allow our supernatural destiny in Him, our overcoming spirit in Him, our ability to seek past where we find ourselves, to find Him, and we allow Him to grow us from the inside out. Attention, not intention, determines our success. See, where is our attention? We may be feeling like, we're, why, am I, why am I so down by this situation? And the situation's hurt, 
the situations come against us. And I'm saying there will be times where you, where you feel pain and suffering, grief. But what is our attention on in those matters? In those moments where we're tempted to slip back into the ordinary, do we choose to extend our, ourselves into the extraordinary? See, the world is looking at how we react. We will have pain, we'll have grief, we'll have, we have all these situations, all these possibilities. And they're not looking at if we get it, because we will. We will have grief, we'll have pain, we'll have suffering, we'll have moments where life sucks. But they're looking at how we react in it. They're looking at how do they react in those moments where I would step back and withdraw where I, would, where I would go back into the life and in a downward spiral, what, are, what is that person doing who knows Christ? What is their reaction to that circumstance? See, it all matters where our attention is. Is it on God or is it on the problem? The second thing it does is it silences the truth. Fake news silences the truth. Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, we should go and take possession of the land, for we can certainly do it. But the men who had gone with him said, we can't attack those people. They are stronger than we are. Go, shh. Don't say that. We're not going any further. You know, the enemy loves to do that to us. Where you start to think, you know what, I can actually... I can get more involved with church. I can, be, I can get more involved with this, this life with God. I can go that extra step in my relationship with Him. You know what? Well, I can wake up that little bit earlier and read my Bible. You know what? Well, I can pray for that person and see them healed because God told me to. You know what? Well, I can extend into my, like, my faith into giving. I can, I can do these things, but you know what the enemy does every single time? Shh, you'll never get there. There's no way to go. There's nowhere you can go from here. And what it does is it silences the truth that God wants to become our reality. The reality was that they could go and God would be with them. The reality was is that as a result of their disobedience, they were stepping back from God. They were making an intentional decision to say, God, this is where you want us, but we're not willing to go there yet. But God has something way bigger and God has something way bigger for us. All of our lives, we've been, there's moments where we've, chose to, where we've um, made a decision to step back rather than step in to what God has. Step in past the fear, step in past the pain, step in past the possibilities, and step into the promise that God has. You see, the miracle, the miracle of this moment was a possibility, but it never became their reality. It never became the reality, and it maintained the promise. It was always a promised land to, the, to this generation. Why? Because they were never willing to step into the promise. They had got, gotten to a point where it was good enough for that land to remain the promised land rather than to remain their land. Let's never just get to the point where we're like, you know, I'm going to do this and this and this and this and this one day. Let's start today. Every little step, every little moment, every little, every little brick on top of another. We, may not, we, we don't have to go for the whole mountain right now, but let's just build the faith one day at a time and let's build lives of maturity in Christ one day at a time so that we can maintain our attention on what God wants us to do, maintain our attention on His good news, and that we can step 
into the thing that he has for us. We can silence, as the church, the clickbait of the enemy. We can silence the fake news that he would try to place in our ear. We can silence, we have authority in Christ Jesus our Lord. All authority in heaven and on earth was given to him. That authority is what we need to stand on. That when, the, that, when that thought comes in, you bind it and you break it in the authority of Christ. Why? Because he said he would. He said that we are representatives of him on earth. And as his representative, I don't need to come under any other law or any other person or any other situation because I represent Christ. The authority of Christ is, and I've spoken about this before, there's a difference between just power and authority. God can work in your life. That's his power. He can work in your life. He can do amazing things in my life. He can bring you out of the darkness into his light. He can wake you up from your slumber. He can wake me up from my slumber. He can do amazing things. This community could be affected for God by his power. But when we give him our, the authority, because authority is given. If you walk into a room, you can have all the power you want. But if you don't have, you, the authority can only be given. You can have disrespect, although that person is powerful. You can, have, you can have people against them. But if they have the authority, they will walk into that room and you will listen and you will obey and you, they become just from Savior. He becomes the Savior, yes, but he becomes the Lord. And in the authority of Christ, when we position ourselves under his authority, then it releases his power. It takes the possibility and makes it the reality when we give him the authority. I don't want to just hear about, read about, talk about the power of God. I want to give him the authority and say, God, can you work in me? God, would you lead me? God, would you be my Lord? Would you teach me? And in that, release the power of God in my life. Silences the truth. We must not listen for the fake news. And number three, it spreads throughout the community. If I can get the band back up. Verse 32, and they spread among the Israelites a bad report about the land they had explored. Like I said, bad news spreads. They deliberately went out of their way to spread this bad report. When you give attention to the wrong message, it spreads. When we give attention to the wrong thing, it spreads throughout our life. You know that companies, when they use social media, they look at what a person has been responding to. So if you're clicking on articles, if you're, have you ever wondered why your phone knows more about you than you? Like I play underwater hockey, right? It's a pretty specific sport. And the other day it popped up with an ad saying, you need this, Daniel. And I did need it for underwater hockey. They're like, you need new fins. I'm like, I do need new fins, but I'm not getting them right now. But they knew that I played underwater hockey. They knew the type of fins I was looking at, the exact type of fins. Why? Because they looked into what I was receiving, the messages I was interacting with. And you know, the thing is, what, what, what the Word does is it challenges us. And sometimes the Word challenges us to step out. Sometimes it challenges us to stop doing that thing. It, challenges, it, it maintains a relationship with us and God, but it, it does challenge us. But what clickbait does is it keeps us comfortable. 
and it only gives off the same messages over and over again, and it just keeps feeding us the same things that we think we need. But the Word of God gives us what we need. The Word of God gives us what we need every single time. And so in this world of distractions, let's be reliant upon the Word of God. You see, we start to consume news that we want rather than news that we need. When you interact with that one thing, I'm using social media as an example, but we, when we interact with that thought about one, uh, maybe I'm depressed or maybe I'm blah, 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 every single time your mind starts going back there again and again and again and again and again. Why? Because you've interacted with it and the enemy will keep on sending it back. It's time that we go, no, I'm going to interact with the Word of God. Because it's not what I think I need, it's what I actually need in Christ that matters. And His Word is the thing that counts. His Word is the thing that I stand on. There is a need, to turn the good, uh, there is a need for us to, to make this good news our message. Because if it was our message, this building could not contain the growth. If it was our message, our community would not be able to contain or restrain us because the message is a good message, because we serve a good God. And we stand in His anointing. And it's a message that needs to lead our life, not be an add-on to our life. And I'm, I'm just speaking for myself too, but it's a message that needs to lead our life from the outset. That, I, that you and I, we carry a different message all the time. When people start talking that way, we, we, we go, no, no, there's another way. Let me show you. This is, my, this is my Savior's message. When we start to think that way, because how do we think we act? We act the way that we think. We direct it and we go, no, this is how I'm going to think because I have a different message. Isaiah 61, one to two, and I love this. Isaiah says this. He says, the spirit of, the God, of God, the master, is on me because he has anointed me. He has sent me to preach good news to the poor, heal the brokenhearted, announce freedom to all captives, pardon all prisoners. I love that. What if we said that about ourselves today? He's speaking about himself. The Spirit of God is on me. Guess what, church? The Spirit of God is on you. And it has appointed you. It has called you. It is calling you into a newfound grace. Not to all so that we can all preach from a platform. This is only a moment, but in our life, through the way that we act, through the way that we love, through the way that we bring joy, through the way that we walk in the room and we change the atmosphere, not because, of our, not because we're so energetic or a people person, but because of the atmosphere that we carry. We are atmosphere change agents. When we walk in the room, something shifts, something breaks, and it comes back down to that authority. We bring a different message. He's anointed, appointed, and called us as His church to bring the good news to the brokenhearted, to the poor, to the captive, to the prisoner. There are a lot of young people, there are a lot of older people, there are a lot of families who are brokenhearted, poor, captive, imprisoned. But we carry a message that is so different to everything they know that if we just give them a glimpse if we just give them a glimpse of this word active in us, their lives will be changed. The greatest compliment we can get in the room 
in a room or in, amongst friendship groups. If something's different about you, you got that before? Something's different about you. What is it? You haven't told them that you're a Christian. You haven't told them that you follow God. They just say, something's different. Are you, are you a Christian? Do you follow Christ? It's the greatest compliment we can get. What is that? They've identified the good. <laughs> They've identified the difference. And that's available for each and every one of us. Let's not get distracted. Let's not pay attention to the clickbait that the enemy would have for us. Let's keep our eyes on Christ. Let's ensure that we spread his message in our community and let that consume us from the inside out because we have been called. Tonight as we walk out of here, we will have an option this week to listen to the messages around us or the message that God wants to plant in us. To listen to the things on the outside, the bait on the outside of this world, outside of this atmosphere, the bait that the enemy has set up. Will we interact with it or will we call it out for what it is and will we present to us the good news and live through that? That is our, that is our decision to make, church. Let me pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, I thank you that we get to stand here in your presence. Lord, I thank you for your word. God, I just ask that we would create a hunger for more of your word in us, through us. Thank you, Lord, that your message is good. And that God, as your message is good, it drives out every evil, every darkness, every place of decrease in our life. God, I just ask that you would breathe upon this message, that you would give some, some opportunities for us this week to live the life that you've called us to live. God, no more taking the clickbait, no more taking the fake news. Today we choose to enhance ourselves and choose your faith-filled news, your good news. In your holy name, amen.